songwriter say, I dare you to praise him. Let's give God some praise in this house today. Because he is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be lifted up. He's worthy to be exalted. I dare you to praise him. So good to be in the house of God one more time. Amen. To my pastor in his absence, I'm grateful for the opportunity to stand in his preaching spot. To my friends and families, my brothers and sisters, it's been a while. But glory be to God, I'm, I'm still here. By his grace, and his mercies. I know it's nothing that I have done, but it's all because of him while I'm still here. So Sister Terry, I just wanna say thank you. Sometimes you, um, sometimes we make comments and not knowing how far reaching those comments sometimes are how much of an encouragement those comments can be. So I just want to say thank you. I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you, um, let's go to the Word of God. Let's look at Luke. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. They're coming. While they're finding it, just keep praying for me. There we are. Luke chapter 22, reading from verse 31 through to verse 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then the Lord, then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. From this passage of scripture, we want to take a look today on the topic, the advocate and the adversary. The advocate and the adversary. 
The preceding verses show us the, what we call the Lord's Supper, where the, was the Passover, the last meal for the children of Israel before they left Egypt. And so during this Passover, we see where the disciples were having this conversation. One of the conversations they were having was as to who was be, would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But while they were having this frivolous conversation, there was a storm brewing that they had no idea that was about to take place. But I know with a, with a good meteorologist, the person who always studies the atmosphere, and they are able to tell when a storm is coming. So in this passage of scripture, I see Jesus as this meteorologist who began to talk to Peter and tell Peter, Peter, there's a storm coming. In spite of what you may think, about yourself, in, in spite of how well, how, how strong you believe that you are, Peter, there's a storm that is coming that is going to shake your very foundation. It's going to shake everything you believe about yourself. It's going to shake everything that you think you are. There is a storm coming. You see, like a good teacher, we see Jesus preparing him for the test that is to come. But Jesus knows the forecast. He knows about the storm that is about to break loose. But this, Jesus didn't leave Simon without this advisory. Notice that Jesus, the first thing I noticed that Jesus didn't call him Peter, but he called him Simon. When God calls you, or when God calls us, who you are in the moment is standing in the way for you to become who has called you to be. Wherever you are when God calls you, whoever you are in that moment is really standing in the way of who God is calling you to be. And so now God has to put in motion scenarios, circumstances that help to move us from our current position, that help to change the course of our lives. Because if we remain where we are, we could never become what God is calling us. To be. But Jesus speaks as though he had taken part in this dialogue. Or perhaps he has overheard the conversation. And this reminds, this takes me back to the book of Job. 
And in Joel chapter 1, starting verse 6, it tells us about when the sons of God came before the throne to present themselves and Satan was there. It tells us of that scenario where Satan had made some remarks about going to and fro in the earth. Pretty much, I've been down there tearing it up. And God asked the question, have you considered my servant Job? It, it, it somewhat reminds me of that conversation. It also reminds me in Zechariah chapter 3. When, when Zechariah had this vision of the, of the high priest Joshua. And he was being, the angel of the law was on his left. And then you have Satan on his right, standing to oppose him. And the scripture tells us that the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you. It's remind me of this passage of, 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 Chris, of scripture. And there in the text, the request was made that Simon would be sifted as wheat. But what is sifting? What is sifting? Those who are bakers understand what sifting is. Because there is, there you're making a separation. You have your flour in a sieve. And you are making sure that there's nothing unwanted in that flour. So you begin to do the, separ the, the sifting, the separation, to make sure there's nothing in it. But so sifting prepares a product for consumption. But the first part of sifting is when the seeds are separated from the chaff, from the chaff or the stock. And I know we're, there's not much farming done in this area, but normally they would be when they reap the grain. The grain would be on the top and then they would have them in bundles. And normally they would hit that bundle against something solid. And there would be a separation of the seeds. And that began the sifting process. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. You see, these words are wonderful words of hope. He says, Satan is trying to leave you in pieces, but I have prayed for you. He said, I have prayed that your faith may not fail. I have prayed that you do not lose hope. You see, Jesus was specific in his prayer. He does not pray that Peter doesn't deny him. He doesn't pray that Peter doesn't sin. He doesn't pray that Peter does nothing wrong. 
He prayed that Peter's faith doesn't fail. Why is it so important that your faith doesn't fail? Because when it's all said and done, your faith is the only thing that you have to offer back to him for everything that he has done for us. So instead of praying that he doesn't sin, instead of praying that he doesn't deny him, he prays that his faith doesn't fail. You got to understand that denying Christ was a part of the process. Somebody had to do it. Peter was just unfortunate that it was him. But this, but this is a good thing about God, that even though Peter denied Jesus, which seems to us that it's not a good thing to do, but for Peter's purpose, for Peter's sake, it was necessary for Peter to deny him. You see, when we look at the scripture, it, where it sets up, it shows us that there's an advocate and there's an adversary. And the adversary have an intention to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the adversary said that I come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. But the, but the thing with the advocate and the adversary, they both use the same scenario. They both use the same situation. One is meant to destroy you, but in the same time, God is able to turn it all around for your good. Ain't God amazing that the very same thing that was meant to destroy you is the very same thing that God used to build you? So when we go through our troubles, when we go through our trials, how do we view God in that process? Do we recognize what is happening? Do we understand what God is doing? That even though it doesn't feel good, even though it doesn't look good, even though I don't like it one bit, but do we understand what God is doing? That in the midst of the sifting, God is also doing a transforming. That in the midst of the, of the sifting, God is also doing a building. That in the midst of you feeling like you are being destroyed, God is preparing you for your next step. 
When I look at David, David said that it was good that I was afflicted. But perhaps the affliction and the sifting are one in the same. Perhaps from David's point of view, he saw it as affliction. While in this case with Peter, Jesus spoke of it as sifting. Perhaps they both serve the same purpose. That we may be transformed into what God has called us to be. But Peter, Peter had his own idea about himself. Peter said, no, Lord, I'm, I'm, going, I'm willing to go with you, even unto death or even prison. He said, I am ready. You see, we won't make it on the perception of our strength. We won't make it and how strong we perceive ourselves to be. Peter realized that in his weakest moment is where he found strength. You see, sometimes we are too strong for our own good. Sometimes we think too highly of ourselves. And when you feel like you are the strongest, when you feel like you are the strongest, that just might be the moment when you're actually the weakest. Because now you begin to rely on yourself. Now you begin to think that you have it all together. <laughs> but we don't have it all together. All it takes is one situation, one circumstances, one life issue for us to realize how weak we really are. That is why Paul said, I, I boast in my weakness. Because when I am weak, I am strong. Because when I'm weak, I can't rely on myself. When I'm weak, I begin to look up. When I'm weak, I recognize that I need some help. When I'm weak, I recognize that I need his assistance. When I'm weak, I realize how much I need him. When I'm weak, is anybody in here feel weak today? Does anybody know where your help comes from today? 
Does anybody know that you have a God that you can call on? That is always on time. That when you feel like you're down and out, that's when he shows up. When you feel like all hope is lost, he's always right there on time. You know, we sing the song, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. When I'm weak, I look to the hills. From whence cometh my help. When I'm weak, I fall on my knees. Quicker than when I feel strong. When I'm weak. When I'm weak. But the text tells us that, shows us that there is an, this advocate and this adversary. This adversary who is always out to destroy us. This adversary wanted to destroy Job. This adversary wanted to destroy Joshua. This adversary wanted to sift Simon as wheat. This adversary, the Bible tells us uh, that he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The adversary comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. But on the other hand, we have an advocate. An advocate who say, I come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. An advocate who prays for us. An advocate who is a life giver. An advocate who, dis who David described as the shepherd. We know the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters. How he restores my soul. That's an advocate. Because in this life, we get tiresome sometimes. And we need an advocate to restore us when we are in need. Jesus is our advocate. So though the sifting brought much pain and discomfort, it seems like it was just what Simon needed. Because I see Jesus say, Simon, Simon, do you love me more than these? And Simon said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. He said, Simon, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know 
I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He said, again, Simon, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. And you can see the difference in Peter from Simon. You see, Simon was like that reed that was in the wind, that, 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 that is quick to speak, who is quick to fly off the handle. But Peter, on the other hand, is that conscious, God-loving, preach the gospel. You know what's interesting? That the same word that Jesus used to tell Peter when he speak to Peter is the same word that Peter uses when he preach in Jerusalem. When Jesus say, when you turn back to me, strengthen your brother. It's the same word Peter used when he was preaching repentance to turn back to God. Ain't it amazing that when he thought he was all that, the same word that Jesus said, hey, you're going to mess up, but you, when you turn back is the same word. Now he understands what it means. So he can preach now with conviction, knowing what it means to turn back from going in the opposite direction. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like I'm being sifted. Does anybody else feel that way? When life circumstances, sometimes I feel like I'm being sifted. When you got to deal with stubborn people sometimes. Sometimes when you got to deal with a family. Sometimes I feel like I've been sifted. But because I know that the sifting serves a purpose, because I know according to the word of God that if I just hold on to my faith, that if I just hold on through the test of time, <laughs> that if I just hold on to his unchanging hands, that it's all going to work out for my good. Anybody feel sifted today? Anybody feel like it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter where you turn, it's the same thing over and over? Again, can I tell you to hold on? 
that your God is working it out for your good? Can I told you, don't let go? That greater is coming? Can I tell you, it's a part of the process? And it is necessary for you to go through your sifting? Because where you are is not all that God has in store for you. So I can hear Peter saying like David, it was good that I was sifted. It was good that when I thought I was all that, he broke me down to nothing. It was good that I learned to rely and depend upon him. It was good that in my weakest moment, I realized that there was strength. It was good that you never left me nor forsake me. It was good that you didn't write me off. It is good that you kept me by your grace. I wonder, I wonder if Peter would have said that today with all the social media that we now have. If Peter had said that and somebody had it on video, it would be the hardest thing circulating on social media. We would have some memes out of it. But I tell you this, we're living in an age of cancel culture. That as believers, we have to be careful of how we write people off. Because how many of us today would have written Peter off? When God has something in store for him to come back and be the strength that you need to continue this journey. Be careful of who you do not allow God to use to minister to you. Be careful of how much you think you are better than others. Be careful of who you are condemning. Be careful of who you are looking down upon. Be careful. They might just have what you need. But because of the way that you view them, because of your refusal to hear, you missed out on your blessing. You see, Jesus didn't cancel Peter. We can't afford to cancel people because all have enforced of the of be careful it's easy to fall in that trap 
but we are not the world, nor are we of the world. So we can't afford to do things the way the world do things. I know it's not always easy, but God has a purpose in it all. He's not wasting anything. Anything he allows. Notice, he had to go through him first. He requests the permission to sift him. And if God allows the sifting, that means he's going to use it. That means he's going to use it for you to be better than you were before the sifting. There, there is an adversary. But thank God we have an advocate. Who uses the very same thing that the enemy tried to use to destroy us. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where life have you. Perhaps you don't know this advocate. Perhaps life has been beating you up left and right and you have no one to turn to. Can I introduce you to an advocate? Can I introduce you to someone who is for you and not against you? Can I introduce you to someone who died for you? Can I introduce you to a savior? Can I introduce you to the one who died for you but didn't stay dead? He rose triumphantly with all power in his hand. Can I introduce you to the one who is able to save to the utmost? His name is Jesus. He will be the best advocate you could ever have. Perhaps you don't know him. There are preachers here that will, that will pray with you. That, that, that would explain to you. That, that would show you what it means to receive Christ. There's an adversary out there. And his whole intent is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But thank God that we have an adversary. We have an advocate. If you are home 
and you need prayer, or you need someone to walk you through the process, the number you can call is 513-400-5131. And a minister will return your call and pray with you whatever you are standing in need of. If you're in the house, the minister will be out in the vestibule. If you need prayer, if you have a question, whatever you're in need of, 